Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, as always, Alex, and I am back at it with a new series, something entirely different than what we've spent the last year plus talking about with eschatology. We are now going to look at some of these uh, lesser known stories in the Bible or things that just really aren't covered uh, too much in the church. Now, I mean, this series can go. Um, and, and, and all sorts of different directions because it's purely a subjective position based upon your church, your time in the church, history, et cetera, et cetera. So some books may just never be covered and others have maybe been talked about, but don't necessarily get talked about too often. Uh, some you just may never have read others. You may have just decided that, uh, you're going to skip over it. So I felt like it's probably in our best interest to spend a little time looking at some of these uh, topics that just don't often get talked about really in its in their entirety. Uh, there might be mention of them, but we're going to spend some time. We're going to look at a few of these here, and I'm going to list off kind of the order of this new series for you. So we will look at today uh, the Song of Solomon. I don't know if we're going to go through the whole book. It is a, uh, it is eight chapters, and uh, so we'll probably get through some of it, but I don't know if we'll get through the whole thing. Uh, and the reason being is there's a lot of content here, and I want to make sure we hit all the high points uh, as we kind of work ourselves through the book. We're going to give some history and some background to it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it, um, and we're going to look at, you know, what can the reader get from reading this book, and why is it in the Bible? What do we can, what you know, what does the Christian pull out of this? So we're going to look at that. Uh, this will probably be today and next week's episodes, depending on, uh, you know, like I said, the content and time length. I don't want to make these shows extremely long, so we can take as much time as we need. In this series, I'm, ga- I'm aiming for 30 to 45 minutes per episode. 
the whole series on Revelation really kind of um, <laughs> time-wise put a big damper on it because I was putting shows out that were over an hour long. Uh, and then so that means the prep work and everything that went in behind those shows was uh, even longer. And so uh, just because I've got so much coming up in the fall, we've got a baby due in a couple of weeks. Uh, like, for instance, I even have confirmation starting tonight. I've got church and school and all of that going so i'm going to try to make these shorter sweeter and if that means we take an extra six to eight weeks doing these topics then great so like i said we'll get through probably the introduction and maybe some of the opening parts of the song of solomon today and then next week we'll continue on uh then we're gonna look at esther then we're gonna look at the psalms now we're not gonna look at all of the psalms but we're gonna talk about different ones we're gonna look at the categories of them we're gonna look at you know time frames and we're gonna try to you know work ourselves through some of the more popular ones uh and then we have a couple that are interesting here uh i put a poll out on Instagram and and you as the listeners who listen to my show uh, have voted. Uh, they voted actually for all of these. So and uh, so I'm very excited to do this content for you. Um, the next one we're going to look at is Ecclesiastes. So we're going to look at a couple of wisdom books here. Uh, I figured if we look at those and we might look at Job as well, maybe uh, kind of short uh, stint at it. Uh, then we're going to spend some time looking at the minor prophets which I, I'm very excited for. And then we're going to look at Philemon. So the only New Testament book we're going to kind of target during this whole series is Philemon. We're going to say that for the very end, uh, probably one single episode, and then we'll wrap the series and move on with the next handful of topics that are, um, uh, you know, that I've kind of laid out and discussed. So a lot happening. Um, it's uh, a, a ton going on. And I really want to ensure that we, you know, spend the amount of time in this series as that is appropriate and we can really just get back into the swing of something other than the end of times discussion. So before we get into the actual content at hand today, I do want to uh, just remind everybody some of the positionings behind the show and that is we are a listener supported show and if you are looking to come and join this community i can give you all the information you need the links are all in the show notes but come join us on patreon for as little as a dollar a month you can get access to all the behind the scenes work that we do for the show on top of all the other things that i'm producing for uh, school or ministry my sermon notes all that stuff you get full access to and you know kind of one of the ways i've really looked at it and I've spent a lot of time looking at creators on Patreon. And I look at it from those who have podcasts to those who do, you know, all sorts of different stuff, whether they're an artist or board games or whatever it may be. And I find, you know, that all of them utilize these tiers where if you give a dollar a month, you get a general thank you. If you spend two dollars or five dollars, then you get a you know this and you know a little bit more. And then if you spend ten dollars or twenty dollars, you get more stuff. And then they have like a deluxe package. And I've even seen that within Christian creators. Now I I understand if like I was creating fresh content in regards to um, you know like art or stories or I was writing stuff like that. 
and I was producing it on a on a regular basis, every couple of days type regular basis. Then I would see maybe utilizing that a little bit better. But I just kind of produce stuff as I go along in my ministry, and I turn that over to patron. And I figure I can't sell you the gospel, but I can sell you my time. And so if you think my time is worth a dollar, then blessings and come join us. If you think it's worth more, then then wonderful. But I would love it if you would just take the time, prayerfully consider joining this ministry, donating to this ministry. All the funds go back into uh, upgrading equipment, taking care of all the costs and everything that go into hosting a podcast uh, and uh, you know the website and all the other stuff that I have to deal with in terms of producing and showing and delivering content. So if you guys are interested, all the stuff is in the show notes, or you can just DM me on Instagram, reformed underscore lifestyle, and come and join us on Discord and the IG chat and all sorts of different outlets that you can come and actually interact with me and other believers uh, from all sorts of different walks of life. I've got believers all around the world who have joined us. Um, We have one gentleman, he's in Jamaica, I have another gentleman in Ireland, and we have people in Canada, all over the U.S., and they are just wonderful people. I love every one of them to bits. And so it's a blessing to have gotten to know these individuals, and I'd love if you were to join us and uh, we can form that friendship as well. So that's on Patreon. That's, like I said, the biggest kind of engine for this show, and it's because of those 54 uh, people I continue to produce content on a weekly basis. And I would love to grow that because once we hit our goal of 75, then I will do another private giveaway for the patrons. Once we hit 100, we'll do a bigger giveaway. Um, We're going to give a commentary away at 75 and then a Logos Bible software package at 100. So that is kind of the premise. That's the goals. I would love it if you were to come join me and, you know, learn and grow with us. That's really the premise behind this show is for us to dig into scripture and to see what God's word has to say. How does it affect us? What is it doing to us? And how can we utilize this in our daily life? There are so many shows out there that that produce, like I said, Christian content. They talk about topics and they dig into some of these, you know, major cultural issues and, and, you know, and, 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 the way I, I see a lot of it, and I love a lot of these shows, but it's a lot of behavioral maintenance, if you would. It's Christians be doing these things, and that's good and fine. Uh, in in a lot of instances, is you know, for like I I was planning, and I'm still planning on working on a Tuesday bonus show for you guys uh, that's going to be focused more around Christian living. But I really want to take and and make my show a little different in the aspect of delivering the context of the of what scripture is saying and then really driving home to what is this saying to me what is this doing to me how is this affecting my life and am i uh changed based upon what the text is telling me and so if you come join us you can get all the insider information into that you can get uh direct contact with me most of you guys do chat with me but uh, i'm more accessible in on discord and on uh instagram with our little chat group we've got there that we share stories and prayer requests and just laugh and have a good time so a dollar a month gets you access to all that if you want to give more that would be you know a a wonderful blessing but the way i view it is you are basically paying me for my time because i put a ton of time into this show and i would love it if you would 
maybe come and join us because then you can get access to everything we do behind the scenes, um, early show releases, bonus shows, because uh, I do release some episodes every once in a while that are patron only. Um, and we do Zoom links. We have Zoom meetings. We do a Bible study that's a private Bible study for my church and the patrons. And we do, you guys get access to my show notes if I write show notes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, sermon notes, you'll get access to that every week. Any school work that I'm doing, any papers. I don't write a ton of papers for school, but I do share a lot of the lectures and stuff that I get. So, uh, you know, a lot of really deep theological content being delivered to you. And it literally costs you $1 a month. So come join us. It's my big, long spiel of Patreon. I would love it if you join us because, like I said, we're a growing family. And I am so blessed to know all 54 of those individuals. The next thing is uh, we're revamping the shirts and hats and and that merchandise. We're working to rebrand kind of that image. And so we'll, we're looking at a couple different vendors. And so stay tuned for more information on that. As I mentioned a little bit ago, we are uh, looking at a potential Tuesday bonus show. I don't know when I can get this off the ground based upon the amount of work that's on my plate and in front of me. Uh, it may actually get pushed off well into next year, mainly because we have a, a child due in a couple of weeks. And so I want to have as much time for my family as possible. Uh, so just be on the heads up. There there may be some shows here and there that are released. We did, um, Thomas and I did an episode on fatherhood that we released, and that was kind of like the kickoff show. Um, he does Redeemed Meditations uh, podcast, so go and check him out. But we decided to do this, and then I was going to follow it up with a few episodes based upon those similar topics, and I just have been so uh, drowned out in, in work between school, family, and the church uh, that I've been just getting enough time to sneak in a regular Friday episode for you. So that's on the horizon. I can, am continuing to talk about it because it's in my mind, and I haven't forgotten about it. And if you guys are still willing to hear about it and join us with that, then that would be wonderful. Among all that, uh, as always, you can get yourself copy of Logos Bible Software, which is the software I'm using exclusively for this show and this series. I've got on one tab, open my ESV study Bible, and then I'm going to, we're going to look at uh, the Lutheran study Bible's notes on the Song of Solomon because I like the way it positions a book. And so we're going to read through some of this content. Um, I love how it sets up these um you know, like what Luther's perspective was, the challenges for the readers, uh, the the canonicity of it, uh, and then a blessing for the reader. And so we'll look at a little bit of the history to it, uh, the themes and things like that that we find inside of this book. And we will continue our journey using the the uh, ESV Bible, the ESV Study Bible, the Reformation Study Bible, the Lutheran Study Bible, and any other commentary notes uh, based upon whatever portion of scripture we are going to be in in the coming weeks and months. With that said, we will look at the text today in the book of the Song of Solomon. We will do this probably this week, next week, maybe, you know, three weeks. I don't know yet. Um, again, I'm really not putting a timeline on this because I want to take my time, enjoy the show, produce show, shorter shows for you. That way you can get the get it all in within a short period of time. And then... Uh, we will take a break around Christmas and do a short Christmas series again like we did last year. 
and then we'll pick back up wherever we left off. So without further ado, let's get into the text at hand. So we've got the Song of Solomon. This is an interesting book because it often has a lot of uh, misconstrued ideas about it. It is a book that is not touched very often, if ever, by any pastor in the pulpit because of the language in it. So I do want to preference this and warn people, while there's no vulgarity spoken, some of the language might not be quite appropriate for the younger audience. So if you're listening to it, maybe uh, put your headphones in or uh, pause and and listen to it uh, later on when you are free. I want to ensure that we will not be digging into some of that, uh, you know, I don't want to say, you know, the, the more vulgar content, but there's not a ton of it there. There is some language that is used that, you know, we will have to preference and work ourselves through. But this book is a wonderful book. It is obviously something that God has given to us. And so we should look, look at it at least, read it once, and just understand the pretext around it. Because I, I find um, that if we disregard any book in the Bible based upon some of the language used, then we are doing a greater disservice to our Christian walk. And, and that applies even to content, you know, to the text like in uh, Deuteronomy or Leviticus or Numbers that have exceptionally difficult text to work through. Uh, Deuteronomy is can be quite uh, vulgar and dark in terms of how it addresses uh, sin and how to expose it and handle it. So we do have to work with the text. We have to handle it appropriately, and that's what we will do. So. Um, I, like I said, I just want to set that little warning up. I don't know if we're going to get into any of it today, but listen until you feel <laughs> uncomfortable, I guess. So the date for this book is approximately 970 BC, so just under a thousand years before Christ comes. And uh, obviously the author is King Solomon. This is um, a book that he wrote right at the very beginning of his ministry. Uh, the setting for this book is in Jerusalem th- and sites throughout Israel, especially in the northern parts of Israel. Um, the people we will come across in this book are Solomon, which he is re- referred to as my beloved, and then uh, Shamulite, which is my sister, my bride. Uh, and then we'll see her brothers, daughters of Jerusalem and Zion, the watchman, David and Bathsheba. Uh, The purpose behind this book, God's love in Christ for you is the very flame of the Lord, which alone conquers death and enables you to be faithful to him and to the person with whom you are united in marital love. The law themes that we will pull out of this book, religious uh, promiscuity and unfaithfulness is idolatry, like sexual promiscuity, I cannot speak words today, and unfaithfulness are destructive. The gospel themes in faithful love, God sent Christ to save the world. He grants to believers the priceless blessings of love for him and marital love for spouses. So we get a couple memory verses, and these are kind of interesting here. If you want to uh, just maybe jot them down and go and read them. Um, some of the suggested verses are chapter two, verses three through seven, which is love that pleases chapter four, nine through 10 captivated by the bride. And at the very end, chapter eight, verses six and seven, the flame of the Lord. So the song of Solomon 
begins with the highest note of passionate excitement with the bride entering the king's chamber, verses 2 through 4 in chapter 1. This is not where the relationship between the main characters begins, though. Uh, The song does not move in chronological order, but cycles among themes of courtship, wedding, and consummation. And we will look at how that kind of plays out here in a minute as we get to the outline of the book itself. Uh, The ESV translators have provided poetic divisions and headings to keep track of the movement and the messages of the characters. Much of the text described uh, describes a couple's longings for each other, which includes vivid imageries of God's creation and beautiful landmarks from throughout Israel and the nations Israel dominated during Solomon's reign, from Damascus to Lebanon in the north to Pharaoh's chariots in the south. References to landmarks in northern Israel abound, and Solomon's Hebrew has elements of the northern dialect. His espouse, the Shamulite, verses, uh, chapter 6, verse 13, is likely the town of Shamol or uh, Shamanin in the region of the northern tribe of Issachar. Through, or, uh, though Solomon reigned from Jerusalem, he supported extensive building projects in northern Israel, as indicated in 1 Kings uh, chapters 1 through 11, and archaeology shows These elements provide historical context for the events described in this book. The song is not merely erotic literature, as many critics will try to argue, but it wrestles with the tensions between beauty and sensuality of the human body and the wisdom of reserving the body for marriage and genuine love. Wisdom counsels the listener, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Uh, We see that in chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 8. The individual and the family have a responsibility to reserve sex for the wedding night. The song connects the passion of love to the power of the Lord, comparing love to the very flame of the Lord. Chapter 8, verse 6. Also, wisdom abolishes that love is too vulnerable to be bought. For these reasons, the song fits naturally with Old Testament wisdom literature. Rightly understood, the song is especially appropriate for teaching about uh, the goodness of marriage and the and love and distinction from uh, promiscuity. And we see interpreters have long recognized that the songs that this in the song allusions to the Lord's love and for His governments of His people. The prophets regarded Israel as the Lord's bride, as Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Hosea all note. A theme that always describes God's gracious relationship with his people who inherit his blessings. And in this way, the song anticipates the New Testament teaching that the church is Christ's beloved bride and family. He seals and purifies her through holy baptism and graciously governs her as indicated by Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 through 14 and chapter 522 through chapter 6 verse 4. And that is a correlation to the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 through 9. So this is what Luther writes on this particular book. Very short little clip, but we'll see what he has to say about it. The third book, the Song of Solomon, is a song of praise in which Solomon praises God for obedience as for a gift of God. For where God is not himself a householder or ruler, there is neither obedience nor peace in any situation of life. But where there is obedience and good governing, where God dwells, he kisses and embraces his dear bride with his word. 
uh, which is the kiss of his lips. Therefore, when things go in a land or a home as nearly as possible, according to the first two of these books, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, then one may well sing of this third book and thank God. For God is not only taught us this, but has himself also done it. So we also have, uh, there's greater lectures that Luther has on um, the Song of Solomon. He actually has uh, an, an entire, probably it looks about 75 pages worth of writings and lectures that he's gone over. So very short clip, but Luther has in his uh, works of Luther, volume 15, uh, you can go and dig deeper. Now I have this commentary set. Uh, so we will probably utilize some of that as we work ourselves through uh, the context of what is going on in this book. And so uh, it, it's a great commentary and we will probably visit it quite often. Um, and, you know, the more I'm thinking about it, because we're already about 25 minutes in the show and I've already, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time talking about other stuff that's not context to the show related. Um, we'll probably not actually get into the book too deep today. Um, so we'll probably spend a couple of weeks looking at this and I hope you're okay with that because I find that there's a lot of rich literature in this that we can really draw out. So here's some challenges for the readers. This is difficult poetry. The song of Solomon is complex work of art written in a style different from modern English poetry. Therefore, readers must carefully work through the text, keeping in mind its structure and style. The sensuality, modest readers may wonder how this book could even be included in the Holy Bible. Some interpreters hunt for explicit sexual content in every detail of the poem's imagery. A balanced approach is required for understanding and applying the poem's teachings. Solomon described the passions of love Honestly and joyfully, these passions are blessed by God in the context of holy wedlock. So here's the question that this the, the challenge kind of raises is, how did this book fit into the Bible? Because we have wisdom literature, right? Proverbs and the Psalms and Ecclesiastes and, and Job can be, you know, a little bit referenced as, as wisdom. We have the history books when we can look at uh the history of Israel, we look at kings and the judges, and we have all of that laid out, and then we have all the prophets, major and small prophets, minor prophets that we will visit later. And then this book just kind of seems to be present. It's just there. Something that, that King Solomon wrote during his early reigns, and it's been included in the the, the canon of, of Scripture for, for a long time. So uh, let's, let's look and see here. It's a very short point um, but I think it gets the I think it addresses it quite well so as noted above some have wondered how the Song of Solomon was even included in the Bible given its sensual character according to the Jewish historians some rabbis raised this issue at the Jewish council in uh, Jamnia in the uh, circa 8100 however the rabbis retained the book of sacred scripture Christians accepted the book unquestionably and this attitude prevailed until modern criticism the Song of Solomon, interpreted as a depiction of Christ in the church, was one of the most commonly taught books of Scripture during the ancient and medieval eras. Rightly interpreted and applied, the song celebrates one of the most important aspects of the human life, marital love, from which human life springs anew. 
funny enough, we talk about this, and I have a baby due in a couple of weeks, so it's quite a uh, journey for me as well. Uh, this important theme is deeply rooted in scriptural faith. The blessings that we can get for the readers out of this, the Song of Solomon, is not the first book which uh, that most people study from the Old Testament, nor is it really a chief book for establishing Christian doctrine. Nevertheless, it is essential for reading for God's people because life is just more than precepts. God created us beautiful and passionate. To celebrate these blessings is to celebrate our creator and his passionate love for us. As you read the Song of Solomon, consider this. If earthly love and life were so wondrous and stirring, how much more wonderful will eternal love and life be? Now, I love that 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 question here at the end of it because I've been with my wife. Uh, we'll be married over 14 years now. We, we'll, we're planning a, a trip for our 15th anniversary next August, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think 15 years now in my head. But we've been together for over 18 years. Uh, high school sweethearts. We dated um, through high school. We did prom and that together. We got married just after she, my wife, graduated. She's a couple years younger than me, and she she was nineteen. I was twenty one. So we're two years difference, and we've been married since. And I turned thirty five this year. So she's the only woman I know, and she's and and I'm the only guy she knows. I mean, we've never dated really anybody else. And to be honest with you. I find that even though I probably wasn't a great Christian or a Christian to begin with at the, at the beginning of our marriage or our relationship, I can see how God has truly blessed both of us with such a wonderful foundation of a relationship. And it is so rooted now in God's word and his ordinances for us. And just the way he gives us these beautiful promises throughout scripture and so I'm really looking forward to this book, and I and I think she might actually even listen to this episode, which, uh, if you all know, most wives don't listen to their husband's podcast because they listen to us babble on and on and on and on throughout the day. And so why would they listen to a show where we're just doing that same thing? So it'd be great if she did because I think there's a lot of really good wisdom. I'll be like, hey, jump to like um, minute mark 30, <laughs> and, then, and then you actually get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so... Yeah, and you know, uh, and it's even funny too because at one point she did come on my show as a guest. Uh, we had uh, did a sh- little stint, and I had uh, a- actually interviewed her a few questions. I unfortunately don't remember what episode that was, but it was sometime before the eschatology series. It was uh, probably last summer at some level and i think it's in the show notes but like i said if i can find it i'll put it in the show notes today if not good luck hunting for it and if you find it dm me because that would be awesome and then uh we'll we'll go from there with that so okay let's get a little bit of the outline of the book first and then we'll tackle chapter one and we'll look at a few verses there before we close the show out so as we kind of done like the historical outlines to the book now i do want to preference with this this isn't going to be like the Bible dingers and how they approach their show. They get to a ton of historical context and they dig into like, they'll tell you all the climate and everything going on, like down to the bone where they're telling you what King Solomon had for lunch the day he wrote chapter four. That is how deep those guys get. I love them. They were on my show last week. So go and listen to their old Testament series and you'll get so much history 
and they will give you an outline to the whole book. Um, I don't know if they did Song of Solomon. I'm pretty sure they did. But anytime we come across a book like w- with how we're doing it, go and listen to their episode. You'll get a lot of information out of it. I'm just doing a, a, a quick flyby, if you would. But I my focus is more on the context of the passages, and I'm going to be exegeting out the truth that we see in front of us. So we have um, some cycles, as mentioned uh, in this book. We have two major divisions, uh, and uh, there's div- the union, which is the first division, and then the reunion, which is the second. There's four cycles in here, and they all follow fairly similar constructs. So chapter one as the first cycle, verses 2 through 17, we have the consummation, the courtship, the wedding, and the uh, and then consummation again at the end. And then it goes into the second cycle with the wedding consummation, the courtship, the wedding, and then another consummation. Third cycle, same follow, uh, courtship, wedding, wedding, consummation. Fourth cycle, courtship, wedding, consummation. And that's kind of how it follows, right? Now we get into a little bit of different stuff in Division 2. We have the fifth cycle, Search, Praise, Garden Dialogue, and Garden Dialogue. This is now Chapter 6. Now, into the sixth cycle, we have Search, Praise, Invitation, and Longing in Chapter 8. And then we have the conclusion where we have Theological Highlights and the Application for Love and the Final Appeal as King Solomon writes and closes out his book on the Song of Solomon. So... That is kind of the outline that I have. There's some others that use um, similar constructs, if you would, to the outline. It might actually get uh, deeper, if you would, to the framework of it. Uh, The ESV Study Bible has a really good in-depth historical background to it, and it starts to um, build some different outlines. Here, for instance, uh, we have the title... The title, uh, The Best of Songs, which is found in verse 1 1. Um, the ESV, though, has the actual verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, the bride confesses her love. That's verse 1. Uh, and then verses 2 through chapter 2 17, the lovers yearn for each other. Uh, division 3 is the shepherdess dreams, and that takes us all the way through. Uh, chapter 6, verse 3, and then 6 through 8, we had the lovers yearn for each other again, and then at the very end, the lovers join in marriage. So a little bit different, uh, very simple construct, um, nothing too in-depth, but uh, and that's why, like I said, I kind of like how the Lutheran Bible sets this up a little bit, because it gives us these cycles and how we will kind of see these themes replaying over and over and over again in the book. So we're at 33 minutes. Let's go to about 40, 45, and we'll see how far we can get because I want to give you a little bit of, you know, a little bit of the the, the text today, and then we'll pick back up on it next week. So uh, chapter one, the song of songs, which is Solomon's, the bride confesses her love. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for you, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, therefore virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will exalt and rejoice in you. We will exalt or we will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. So that is, there's a few divisions here broken up. It's uh, uh, she, others, and she. And so it looks like this is um, 
they will the ESV breaks it down into who's who's you know speaking if you would it's kind of a dialogue back and forth here so this is Solomon's bride here at the very beginning and then we have others who kind of singing praise it could be like handsmaids and uh, servants of that and then we go back to the bride in verse five so let's look at these first four verses for you uh, and again I like I said I'm going to look at what Luther has in his works here on the um, Song of Solomon. So the Song of Songs, uh, the book derives its title either from the subject matter because it deals with the greatest of all human works, namely government, or else from the style because it was written and fashioned in grand ority. For, for the poem is entirely figurative and the figures of the speech produce grand or, oratory. Uh, verse 2, he kisses me. He speaks according to the customs of people that day. Among us, kisses are held in less esteem, and even more so today amongst our culture. However, kisses are a sign of love and favor. And he says, the Lord kisses me. That is, he shows favor to his government. He kisses it. He honors it with all manner of blessings and love. Now, to declare what a realm which to outward appearance is suffering all sorts of afflictions is God's own concern. That it is loved and cherished by God is certainly voiced of faith. The outward appearance is not obvious that he kisses the synagogue, but rather that he wounds it and hates it. But he adds with kisses of his mouth. This means that God honors his people through his word. And certainly this is the treasure which deserves to be extolled first and uh, first in the political realm, for without it, government cannot endure. Paul, too, extols God's gift to his people in Romans 3, verse 2. The Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Similarly, in Psalm 147, the psalmist declares his word to Jacob and etc. He did not do so to every nation, for it is the very for it is the word which distinguishes the godly from the ungodly. It is also through the word's agency that we come to regard everything we possess, either demonic or in the political realm, to be gifts of God and sheer signs of divine favor uh, towards us. Granted that we that everyone else abounds in, in all good things, they nevertheless do not understand them to be the gifts of God and therefore cannot avoid abusing them for their own destruction. So we get a little bit of some understanding here of what Luther is trying to pull out. He's he, uh, correlating, you know, some of this uh, figurative language to uh, be the government and such. So we're just at kind of the first part of verse two. We went through four. So we'll let's keep going and then we'll look at a, a little bit of other commentary before we wrap up. Now, we get this uh, translation um, here in verse two. And uh, I want to ensure that we uh, approach this correctly. Now, uh, as we're talking, I'm looking going to look at the NASB 95, and uh, I'm going to and Logos. This is really great because I can just tag it to where I have uh, my ESV, and it just goes right to it. And and I'm going to look up another Bible which I don't generally use, and I'm actually curious if I have it even in my recent works which I don't. Oh, I'll just go here. King James Version. Uh, so this brings me to the Song of Solomon. So as, I, as I'm as i pondering this, because the way Luther's notes are um, 
our our setup it, it kind of differs here from the uh from the text in the text in the esv it says for your love is better than wine in the nasb it says for your love is better than wine in the king james version it says for thy love is better than wine now uh, i don't have any particular um version that uh, that I know Luther was using at this time period more than likely uh, he was using a Latin version that he had translated into German uh, which I can't speak Latin and I'm very I'm sure very few of you uh, listening can do so but I'm looking at all of my um, my Bible translations and I'm just trying to see if there's one that might sound a little bit closer to this before I actually give you the text that Luther's speaking on. And, uh, and again, we can pretext that with the, uh, <laughs> um, that it's probably going to, it, it's going to change our view of this particular verse. And that's verse two. So, um, let me, let me see what I got here and I will, uh, we'll dig into it. All right. So I have to admit, I, I paused the show, uh, as, uh, as I'm trying to do kind of compile my notes, uh, to, to tackle this. And this is what I've come up with. And I, and I, and, and I'm going to preference this. I don't know where Luther gets this, where he's getting this word, but it, it, we do know it's used throughout this book. And so, it could just be based upon a translation. So I actually went to my Hebrew uh, interliner. Uh, this is my uh, my interlinear, and it goes from Hebrew to English. Shows me the translation. I don't read Hebrew, so it helps to understand some of this stuff. Uh, and it says love making in the in the in the actual Bible there. Um, I have another Bible text that says for your caresses are better than wine. So it's a different translation there. But uh, the NASB, King James, the RSV, uh, all of these newer translations all have the same word as love. Now, I have the German Luther Bible. And again, I don't read German. So I had to go to Google Translate. And Google Translate tells me the same thing. It tells me that... This was uh, used by, uh, it was using the word love. But in the works here that Luther has, he uses the word breasts. He says, for your breasts are more delightful than wine. And he's referring here to doctrine by which the souls are fed so that the man of God may be perfect for every good work, 2 Timothy 3.17. He compares doctrine with wine, of which the Holy Scripture declares that make the heart glad Wine is thus metaphorically used for all the world's delights and gratifications. And this is, so to speak, the voice of understanding faith, which declares, I prefer your word to word to all the pleasures of the world, for we must refer everything to the word. For your name is oil poured out. These are very meaningful figures and symbols. Your name, that is the knowledge of you, is like oil, since it yields a pleasing aroma and is spread around, uh, spread about a broad through the book and his blessing is not hidden away in a corner but is published throughout my whole realm and it spreads its aroma also to neighboring peoples like an anointment being poured out so 
Luther has a lot of like, he he literally takes lines and just looks at a few words and, and writes thoughts on this and to spare you from having to listen to Luther's lectures on this book, which, you know, would be me reading 95 pages worth of lectures and notes. We're just going to look at and I'm like I said, we're going to pull out a couple highlighted things as we kind of go along and, and, and trace them up. So I just wanted to do that for the first couple verses. Um, I'm going to look at another study Bible here. We're going to kind of talk about verses one through four again, and then we'll uh, close out the show. So the Song of Solomon's, this Hebrew expression for the best and greatest of all, uh, this is also noted in uh, Ecclesiastes 1-2, so we will talk about it when we get to that point. Um, Solomon was the second son of David and Bathsheba, as Second Samuel chapters 12, uh, verses 15b through 25 refer to. He has prefigured our Lord, who is likewise called the son of David, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. Solomon is said to have penned 1,005 songs, 1 Kings 4.32. And this poem is his greatest. Songs in the ancient world were often accompanied by instruments, uh, which assisted in the singing or chanting of the lyrics. And Luther writes this. I place music next to theology and give it the highest praise. And we see how David and all of the saints put their pious thoughts into verse, rhyme, and songs because music reigns in times of peace. And so you might have seen that quote kind of float around that I place music next to theology and give it its highest praise. I think I've shared that quote before. And it's interesting that that this quote is in referring to the Song of Solomon's. So a little bit of, you know interesting connections of history there for you. Uh, one, one here still in the song, Solomon elevates his sense uh, sensibilities to their highest level. Nothing is so worthy of praise as that, which extols God's love and devotion towards his beloved, his bride, his people throughout history. The songs of God's people have been of the highest caliber inspired by the Holy spirit himself with names such as Sanctus, the Kyrie and the Gloria in uh, Excelsius, the highest praise is always sounding from the mouths of the baptized as well as ringing in their ears. In verse two, Solomon, the husband, is the lover who is the subject of the bride's affections. The beloved bride of Solomon, called the Shamulite in six, uh, chapter six, verse 13, kisses of his mouth more than friendly affection and the intimate kiss of married lovers. Your love is better than wine. Uh, Luther writes, wine makes the heart glad. Wine is thus metaphorically used for all the world's delights and gratifications as we looked at his works. So, you know, one of the things to really consider here is, you know, how Luther uh, looks at these verses and then he takes it and and builds some sort of application and and really digs some some stuff out of it. And I think more so in in some of his works, he really does a great job. I think his works uh, on... Galatians and Romans are, are not exceeded by very many other theologians. He's probably the most profound theologian on Galatians. Um, would I agree with all of his interpretations? Uh, maybe. Some of them I can probably just have to look at it from his perspective. But, you know, we have to understand his context and why he's writing some of this stuff. You know, he's referring to um, this to be in more of a manner of government and establishment. Obviously, we know that Solomon was a king and he had kingly rule. And so there is that pretext of government in that. But we have to also consider what the text is actually saying and how can we 
draw out of it. So these anointing oils used in the ordination of priests, the inauguration of kings, and the appointment of prophets to consecrate and endow with the gifts of the Spirit required for a particular calling. Uh, Fragrant oils were often applied at festival occasions such as wedding feasts or in preparation for burial. And we, we have that, you know, for instance, in Mark 14, where they prepare Jesus's body for burial and his body is anointed with oils and fragrances. So the King, the Solomon here, uh, we find the, the framework is, uh, the bedroom, the bridal chamber, um, plural is unusual, but may imply a large, um, type of dwelling with many rooms. And so it could be a, a, a larger area uh, that uh, verse four is speaking of. This heading is inserted, um, as I'd mentioned this others, it's inserted by the ESV editors throughout the song to denote passages from the from a choir, most likely the daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, this you that is referred to in verse four, the king, but ultimately the Lord himself. Uh, Solomon's words in you are emphatic. It is as if he were saying, outside your solace and aid, one experiences nothing but toils. So that's going to wrap it up. I just broke past that 45-minute mark a little bit longer than I wanted to, but uh, I think we got through the first few verses here, and uh, we will continue our journey through this book. We won't look at it as in extensive verse by verse, but we're going to look at it probably section by section. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on. Um, so we'll next week we'll get through more of chapter one, if not all of chapter one, and then well into chapter two and three and going forward. So guys, thanks for hanging out with me this week. Like I said, you know, is kind of setting this series up and, and giving kind of an introduction and, and premise and direction to the show at the beginning half. I hope you guys enjoy the content and I look forward to seeing how many of you guys enjoy this series because this is something different than I've done and I'm really looking forward to digging into it myself. So guys, until next week, God bless. Have a great weekend. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.